Amen. Thank you, Glenn and choir, this morning. Beautiful job. It was finished on the cross. Turn with me. A passage in Galatians, a passage in Revelation that we'll look at this morning. Galatians 1 8, and the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19. We're now into week number five of our six week sermon series entitled Jesus Among Other Beliefs. And the number one spiritual question of people living in the Garland, Saxe, Rowlett area is what do the belief systems around the world and in our culture believe about Jesus and why do they all differ? So we've been looking at that. So far we have looked at Judaism and we've looked at Hinduism and we've looked at Buddhism and last week we looked at Islam. This morning we're going to look at a belief system with which we are all familiar. It's very common around us It's the only belief system that is unique to America. It is a belief system whose followers are so nice and warm and friendly, and the subculture is so wholesome that they are admired. It is difficult not to think of them as Christian. It is difficult not to admire them and want what they want. What, what, or rather, what, what, what they have. But possibly it is the most divergent system from Christianity of any of the five that we've looked at. It is a belief system known as Mormonism. But in the Bible, both the apostles Paul and John warned us about their beliefs. Read with me, first of all, Galatians 1.8. Paul said, but even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And he used that phrase, another gospel, because that is the phraseology Mormonism uses. You've heard, they say, you've heard the Bible, but let us show you another gospel, using the exact phrase that Paul used said. Look at the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22. Verse 18, John said, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Telling us that the revelation that we have received in these 66 books, all that we need, but the belief system this morning we're going to look at says these 66 books are tainted, so we need to add something to it. And that's what we'll look at. This morning I want us to examine Mormon beliefs about Jesus. First of all, Mormons are a part of what's called the Latter-day Saints movement. Let's look, first of all, just at an overview, letter A on your outline there, of Mormon culture and influence. They're a part of what's called the Latter-day Saints movement. Now, not all Latter-day Saints uh, are Mormons, but all Mormons are Latter-day Saints. They're a part of the Latter-day Saint movement. Mormons have almost 16 million members, mostly here in the U.S., 
And they are not a Christian belief system, but two-thirds of Americans think they are. Two-thirds of Americans believe that Mormons are Christian, but they're not. Mormons possess extreme wealth and power and influence. Extreme wealth and power. There is a huge subculture among Mormons. And I think a lot of Mormons enjoy the subculture, but they're not really aware of all the Mormon church actually teaches. I think that's true of a lot of Mormons. The Mormon church takes in uh, $33 billion a year. That is excluding investments and business holdings, which puts it way up there. $33 billion just to the Mormon tabernacle each year. Recently built a mega mall across the street from the Mormon tabernacle in Salt Lake City. That's a $2 billion mall, has a retractable roof. They're so wealthy, they're targeted by the Mexican drug cartel very often. And uh, in 2019, at the end of last year, the Mormon church set aside $100 billion in the church treasury at Salt Lake City to be used during the tribulation after Jesus comes back to help other Mormons. $100 billion has been set aside. Here are some Mormons you probably know in our culture. You'll see their pictures on the screen. Mitt Romney is first, of course, I know many of you know Mitt Romney, U.S. Senator, Republican nominee in 2012 for president. Uh, Orrin Hatch also was the longest-serving uh, U.S. Republican uh, senator in history, 42 years, recently retired. Harry Reid, uh, U.S. Democratic senator for 30 years, is Mormon. Glenn Beck, conservative radio and TV commentator, uh, is Mormon. David Nealman is a businessman. He is founder of five airlines. JetBlue is probably the most famous of those airlines. Bill Marriott, the CEO of Marriott Hotel Chains. That's why when all the, the Marriott hotels you go into will have a Bible and a Book of Mormon in there together. Jack Gerard, former CEO of American Petroleum Institute, very powerful and, and um, uh, institute and, and very powerful man in the U.S. economy, Jack Gerard. Stephen Covey was a Harvard graduate, uh, professor, author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, named Time Magazine's 25 Most Influential People several years back, Stephen Covey. Casey Stroh, some of you might know her from the three high school musicals. I know that our, our teenagers will know Casey Stroh. Sweet Life of Zach and Cody and different uh, shows uh, on the Disney Channel. Julianne Huff, two-time champion of Dancing with the Stars. Uh, America's Got Talent judge this past year. She's Mormon. Um, Chelsea Hightower, Dancing with the Stars, Seven Seasons. Uh, very popular in our culture as well as Mormon. The singing group Imagine Dragons. Uh, very popular today. Dan Reynolds, of course, is the lead singer. All of them are Mormon. David Archuleta, singer-songwriter, Star Search, American Idol, uh, uh, singer now as well. David Archuleta is Mormon. And you see a lot of influence of politicians, of those in the business world, and those in culture around us are all Mormon and have a strong Mormon influence. So I want us to look at what Mormons believe and hear the influence that is around us. 
letter B on your outline there, emphasis on, upon America. Of all the belief systems that we looked at, Mormonism is the one that really emphasizes America more than any others. In fact, it's the only one that originated here in America. The others originated other parts of the world. Mormonism was founded only 200 years ago. It's really not a, a, a long-standing uh, belief system. Founded in 1820 by Joseph Smith in upstate New York. In 1820, it was during the time of the Second Great Awakening in the United States. And so Joseph Smith was praying about which denomination he ought to join. So I went out into the woods in 1820 there outside of Manchester, New York, and, and was praying while he was in the woods there and saying, Dear God, which of these denominations that are out there do you want me to join? And he said he was grabbed by an evil influence and tried to be dragged away, and two men showed up that rescued him. They were God and Jesus. Now that first of all tells you what they believe. They don't believe the two are, are one. They believe there were two. God and Jesus, two persons, rescued him from the evil one, finally got him back to safety, and they both told him, don't join any of the denominations because they're all abominations and they're all false, every one of them. All creeds and churches are an abomination. So three years later, 1823, Joseph Smith, once again out in the woods outside of Manchester, New York, appeared an angel Moroni appeared, like Paul talked about in Galatians 1, an angel from heaven appeared and led him out into the woods and said, I want to show you the truth, and led him up a hillside to a nearby hill and said, start digging, and start digging, and he uncovered some golden plates. And these golden plates later became the Book of Mormon. Now, the golden plates taught something interesting. They taught that the descendants of the Israelites left Israel and migrated to America. All the Israelites did. From 2200 B.C. to 420 A.D., they moved to North America, all the descendants of the Israelites. And that Jesus, after his resurrection, came and lived in America. And they also teach that most of the Bible took place in America. The ark was in America. Most of the events of Scripture took place here, not in the Middle East. They believe these Israelites that came to North America actually spoke Hebrew, but they were misidentified as Native American Indians. And so what was Hebrew was actually what other thought an Indian language. And they say that the records of all this happening were kept in, quote, a reformed Egypt. But there's no evidence of this at all in any document here, Egypt, Middle East. Historians have looked for the documents. Writers have looked for the documents. Archaeologists have looked for the documents. There's never been any proof anywhere of the plates, of what they taught, and the historicity of the Israelites descending to North America. They believe, Mormons also believe, that Jesus will return to the Mount of Olives, and then after the Mount of Olives will immediately come to Missouri and make an appearance in Missouri. 
Let's look at Mormon beliefs and teachings, letter C on your outline. Mormon beliefs and teachings. First of all, number one, a great apostasy. Now, apostasy, of course, means falling away from the faith. And so, Mormons believe there was a great falling away or apostasy after the first century. So much so that the real Jesus is not known in the Bible. Only the Book of Mormon has the truth about Jesus. The golden plates corrected what humans and church councils ruined after the first century. That's the Mormon teaching, that a great falling away took place after Jesus was here, and the Bible that we have now is so tainted and so corrupt, it does not give you an accurate picture of Jesus. So you need both. You need the Bible because it contains elements of truth, but they believe you also need the Book of Mormon, which gives you the full truth about Christ. Recently, the BYU Dean of Theology, uh, the, the Dean Robert Millet, said, quote, what we have today of Jesus in the Bible is actually false, end quote. So the Book of Mormon contradicts the Bible and claims to modify the Bible, correct the Bible, and expand the Bible beyond what it is. Remember the Revelation passage Paul told us that what we have at the end of Revelation 22 is complete. Do not add to it. Do not take away what we have is complete. Now, the angel Moroni that appeared to uh, Joseph Smith said, quote, restore true Christianity. So that has been the goal of Mormonism throughout its inception all churches, all creeds, all belief systems are corrupt. They're an abomination. And so Mormonism claims to be the only true religion and the only true, true church because they believe what they're doing is restoring the true Christianity from the first century. Number two, the Bible. Christianity believes, 2 Timothy 3.16, that all Scripture is God-breathed, it is inspired. That all Scripture is, has been inspired by God and it's profitable for us for doctrine, reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness. And Christianity believes that what we have here in these 66 books is inerrant, infallible, every single word of God. And that's what Christianity believes. Mormons believe that, again, all 66 books in some way are tainted. So in order to arrive at the truth, you need four documents of authority, not one. And here are the four that you see listed. They believe the Bible has some authority to it, not totally because it's corrupt, but, but a little bit. You need to read the Bible, Mormons say. But secondly, the Book of Mormon, which they call the most complete and accurate document on the planet. The Book of Mormon, they believe, is the most accurate. Those are the golden plates that were uncovered. But they also believe in two other documents. And these have authority equal with the Bible. And these are the Doctrines and Covenants. And this is a collection 
of the revelation that the angel gave to Joseph Smith of how the true church needs to be restored. And then the last one is called the Pearl of Great Price. This clarifies misinformation in Genesis about how the earth was created. So Pearl of Great Price is a document about creation. So Mormons believe in all four documents as the source of authority, whereas Christians believe in only one document, and that is our Bible. Now, this fact, the fact that Mormons believe in, in the writings outside of Scripture, is what makes Mormons to be considered a non-Christian group. This is what does it. Usually, if a group looks at, at their, as their ultimate authority outside of Scripture, they are considered to be a non-Christian group. Now, Mormons desperately want to be considered a Christian group. They desperately want that. In fact, they recently had a campaign that they've kicked off. It's called I Am Mormon. You may have seen some of the advertising. And what they tell you in I Am Mormon is we are a Christian group. But their sources of authority is what has them classified as a non-Christian group. Now, if you were to tell, if a Mormon knocks on your door, which very well could happen, knock on your door and you say, well, I'm a Christian, they'll say, well, we are too. Let me, let me show you further truth that you haven't gotten yet. So rather than just going to the next house, they're going to say, if you say I'm a Christian, they're going to say, oh, well, well, we are too. I, just let us show you more of what you need to believe. Mormons will try to, um, they'll try to convert you to the Mormon church. Not Jesus, but the church and the Mormon culture. And it's working. 80% of Mormon converts come from us. 80% of Mormon converts come from Protestants and Evangelicals. In fact, the number one denomination converts from their denomination to Mormonism, Southern Baptist. One of the reasons is, folks, we don't know what we believe. Many of our Southern Baptists do not believe what we believe. It's one of the reasons for this six-week series. I want you to be firm in what you believe, what you know to be truth. And when you recognize error, when you hear it. Many, Christian, uh, many Christians believe Mormonism is simply another denomination. It's like Church Christ, or it's like Methodist, or it's like the Assemblies of God, or Pentecostals. It's another Christian denomination. So therefore, a lot of Baptists believe, well, I'm just going to another denomination because I, 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 like, their, I like the way they do things more than, but they're not a Christian denomination. And we can see from some of their teachings, when in fact, Mormonism is actually another gospel. It's not another denomination. Let me show you why in the next few points of what they believe. Number three, Mormons believe in exaltation of humans, the exaltation of humanity. Mormons have a very highly exalted view of humanity. 
And they believe that it is possible for humans to become God. And that our God, our true God of heaven, that at one time he was a human like us. That at one time God sinned like you. But through his efforts and through his beliefs, he was exalted to become God of his own planet. And you can do the same. One day, you can be exalted to be the God of your own planet, and the residents of the planet will look up to you and worship you as holy and almighty like we do God. And one day, all faithful and good Mormons will be exalted to the status of God who rules their own planet. Folks, this is our fifth belief system we've looked at. None of the five believe that. None of the five believe that God at one time was a sinner. None of them believe that God at one time was like we are. None of them believe that humanity can change into godhood. Christianity believes there is a difference between who God is. God is eternal. He's holy. He's just. He's always been that way. He's never been a human that got to be God. Christianity does not believe redeemed humanity becomes God. The Bible makes it very clear there's a distinction between redeemed humanity and throughout all eternity, redeemed humanity will bow at the feet of our Creator who's holy and just and praise Him for what He's done. And there's a difference between who we will ever be and who God is. You may ask, where do they get that? Well, look at some passages they point to. According to Mormon.com, they get this belief, which is called a theosis, humans becoming God. They believe in theosis because of Romans 8, 16, and 17 that says, we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And they look at 2 Peter 1, 4 that says, we're partakers of the divine nature. And they look at Luke 137 that says, with God all things are possible. So it's possible you do become God. But that's never taught in Scripture. Look at number four, their beliefs about God. Obviously, they believe that God has not always held his status as God. We believe, Christians believe, that He has. We believe He's eternally God from ages past to ages forward. He will always be God. But they don't believe He's always held that status as God. As I said, Mormons believe that at one time God was a sinner like, like we are. And, and Christians believe that God is holy and has always been holy and that He is light. And in Him is no darkness at all and never has been any darkness at all. Because God at one time was human, he has attained his godhood through righteous living, they say. According to gotquestions.org, quote, 
God has a body of flesh, Mormons say. A, a body of flesh and bones as tangible as man's body. And Christians don't believe that. We believe God is a spirit with no flesh and bones. John 4, 24 says God is a spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. That God does not have flesh and bones as tangible as us. Now, what's interesting, Brigham Young, who was a, a, a leader of the Mormon church after Joseph Smith and led them west, Brigham Young said that Adam, remember Adam and Eve in the garden, Adam became God. Now, current Mormons do not believe this. They, don't, they back off of this, and they don't say, well, we're not certain our God was actually Adam, but it was somebody. Brigham Young taught, no, Adam and Eve in the garden. Adam is the one who, who started living righteously and believing Mormonism and attained godhood. Mormons do not believe in the Trinity. They don't believe that the Father, Son, Holy Spirit are one. Mormons are polytheists. They believe in three gods. God the Father... God the Son and God the Spirit are three distinct and separate beings. Whereas the other belief systems we looked at, most of them are monotheists. There's only one God, but they believe in three separate beings. In fact, again, Robert Millet, Dean of Theology of BYU, said there are three distinct and separate beings to the Godhead rather than one. Look at number five. What do they believe about Jesus? Mormons will always add, anytime you say the name Jesus, they'll always add, He's the literal Son of the Father in the flesh. Well, that sounds good, doesn't it? They'll always add the phrase, Jesus is the literal Son of the Father in the flesh. You'll say, well, we believe Jesus is the Son of God. Yes, He's the literal Son of the Father in the flesh. What does that mean? They believe that Jesus and Satan were brothers. They were spirit brothers. Jesus was the oldest. He was the oldest son God had. Lucifer was another son that God had. And that they both then came down to earth and one of them lived righteously and one of them lived bad. And that the, the, the earthly life they were living here, both of them, that was a testing ground to see who got to be God. Jesus succeeded and Satan failed. But Jesus did not succeed until the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember, the, remember Jesus went to the Garden, not before the cross, great drops of blood. That's why he was sweating drops of blood, Mormons say, is because he was trying to achieve Godhead. He hadn't yet. He was trying to. Drops of blood falling to the ground. And he finally says, Father, if it's your will that the cup pass from me, let it be. Nevertheless, not my will but thine. And at that moment when he said, not mine but yours, he became God. He had passed the test, and Satan had failed it. But, they say, any human, any human could have become the Savior, not just Jesus. Mormons also believe that Jesus was a created being. Have you noticed 
in our sermon series, how many of the world's belief systems believe that? Christianity believes that we are, that, I mean, rather that Jesus is not a created being, he's eternal from past to ages forward, but many of the false belief systems believe Jesus was a created being. Any belief system, folks, that you hear, Jesus is a created being is false, and there are a lot of them. Actually, Mormons believe that we were all born as spirit children, not just Jesus. That Jesus is our older brother. We're of the same species. God picked Jesus to be the Savior, but it could have been any one of us. But he picked Jesus. Whereas Christians believe that Jesus is eternal. That Jesus is the only Savior of the world. That only Jesus was sinless. None of us are sinless. And, and, and Christians believe, that Acts 4.12 is correct, that Jesus is the only Savior of the world. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved except the name of Jesus. And we believe Jesus is unique. It couldn't have been anybody. Jesus was God incarnate in the flesh. And then number six, look at Mormon beliefs about Sin. Sin. Mormons have an interesting take on sin. Actually, they believe sin was, was good. Because Adam's sin was actually a noble act in the minds of Latter-day Saints. You say, how? Did, how? Well, get the logic. We're spirit children. And therefore, because sin entered, now we become human, which allows us to become God. We can't just skip from spirit children to godhood. You have to go through humanity. So they believe the, the act that occurred that allowed us to go from spirit children into being humans was actually a good thing because it, it got you one step closer to being God. So Adam's sin was, was noble. He did, he did us all a favor. And sin actually turned out to be good. Christians believe that sin is a transgression of God's standard. There's never anything good about it. We believe that sin doesn't advance us toward God. It separates us from God. And we need a Savior to cover our sinfulness so we can have a relationship. And Jesus is the only one who did it. Once you die, Mormons believe there are four levels of the afterlife. There's a celestial level, the terrestrial level, the telestial level, and what's called outer darkness for those who aren't Mormon. And where you go depends upon, number one, what you believe, but number two, what you do. Mormonism is a salvation by works that could ultimately result in you becoming God. A salvation by faith and works that could result in your becoming the Godhead. And they say spiritual good works are needed to overcome spiritual death. That's a phrase that is common throughout Mormon teaching. 
in order to come, overcome spiritual death, you need to have spiritual good works. And according to Mormons, here's what they are. Number one, keep the commandments. Two, be baptized by a Mormon priest. Three, have strong faith. Four, genuinely repent. And number five, fulfill the obligations of the Mormon tabernacle. Christians believe death is overcome only one way, through faith in Jesus Christ, not any kind of works. That whenever you pray and I pray and ask forgiveness of our sins and receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, at that moment we're made right with God. Works aren't a part of it. Your goodness is not a part of it. And that's what Christians believe. In 2013, I know some of you have, have heard of her because um, she's been here in our church. Lynn Wilder wrote the best-selling book entitled Unveiling Grace. She spoke here in our church in 2014 one Sunday morning with her family. And Lynn told us that morning about how her family had been enmeshed in the Mormon church and culture for 30 years, Utah. Her husband was an elder in the Mormon church. She was a tenured professor at BYU, has a doctorate in education. And their son, Micah, as he was here just a few months ago on Sunday morning, gave his testimony. Micah was on a two-year Mormon mission to Florida. And Micah was challenged by a Baptist preacher to read the New Testament. He did. And he said, I saw a different Jesus there than I'd always been taught. And he was saved. Went back home, talked to his mom first, and told her. She said, you're crazy. He said, read the New Testament for yourself. She did. And in 2006, Lynn Wilder became saved. In fact, eventually all the family was saved. They were rejected by the Mormon culture, kicked out of the Mormon church. They moved to Florida. That's where they live today. But here's what Lynn says. I want you to listen. She said, I still have a love for Mormon people. They're great folks. I just reject the LDS theology. And then she said this. I didn't get very far into the New Testament before I began to realize the Christ of the Bible was not the Christ of the Mormons. And then she said, I had sold this Jesus short. End quote. All false belief systems sell Jesus short. Mormons are kind, they're friendly, they're loving, but they distort humanity, salvation, God, and Jesus. Folks, never believe anything that sells Jesus short. He's the only Savior of the world. Let's pray together. Father, thank you today for your word. Thank you for what Paul warned us. Thank you for what Revelation and John warned us. And Heavenly Father, I just pray that we will stay close to the truth. We'll do what you've called us to do. Lord, I pray today during this invitation, you'll lead us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.